0: We're going to wrap up this morning our series in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then we'll just have one additional chapter to go, and then we'll be finished with the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, but you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, where we've been studying and uh, really trying to get our mind around the theme of Resurrection. And how important it is—58 uh, verses worth, the longest book or longest, cha- uh, book, a bit, longest chapter in the book of First Corinthians—and uh, what we're going to see today is that Paul he concludes his thoughts and brings an answer to the thought the rest of the story. How many like Paul Harvey? You know, hear him on the radio on occasion. You, you hear part of a story and then all of a sudden then there's a break and he comes back and now that's the rest of the story, right? You've all heard it probably. Well, Paul, as he's wrapping up his ideas here about resurrection, he's bringing the full picture of what the resurrection is going to be like. And the reality, it's natural for us as individuals, and as man, men and women, to, to fear death at some level. But the truth is, we will all end up in the grave. And the reality is, is, there's a 100% mortality rate. And this reality is disturbing to those outside of the church world. It causes a lot of fear, a lot of grief. A lot of pain, a lot of worry, anxiety, but that is not the hope for Christ followers. Did you realize that? All the fear of death is canceled in the hope of a bodily resurrection. We will be new. We've learned that we'll go into the grave, yes, but we'll come out on the other side glorified in new heavenly bodies. Isn't that exciting? It really is. And as believers, we know the rest of the story, don't we? We can flip to the end of the book, right? How many do that? You know, when you get a good book and you kind of cheat and uh, read the last chapter or read the last couple paragraphs, right? Well, we've done that. You know, or we've Maybe you've studied Scripture. And in Revelation, it says that we win, right? We will live forever, and we know the rest of the story. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's really the complete word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, but Paul's writing here in 1 Corinthians is one of the greatest places to turn to learn and to know about the resurrection. But don't just think it's just this chapter. There are Old Testament prophecies. There's New Testament revelation uh, that's now revealed, and it is an exciting truth. It's our blessed hope, and it's all based on the fact that Christ is risen, amen, and has come and has become the first fruits of all who sleep, or all those who died. And so in this journey of uh, four or five weeks that we've had in the resurrection thoughts, we've seen the evidence of the resurrection, we've seen the importance of the resurrection, we've seen the sequence of the resurrection, we've seen the value of the resurrection, what kind of bodies we will have. And if you've missed any of those weeks, you can get online and listen. But today in verses 50 through 58, we will see Paul's anticipation of the resurrection. There is a sense when you read this and you understand the context that Paul is excited about what he is sharing. And he lines up his thoughts with four ideas, the great transformation, the great triumph, the great thanksgiving, and the great therefore. And you say, wow, that's pretty good. Well, it's not original with me. It's from a commentator, John MacArthur. He kind of alliterates that. And, uh, and we're going to work our way through these four ideas. And without further ado, stand with me as we honor God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 50. Says I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery: we will not all sleep, but we all, we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is is not in vain. These are some exciting verses. Let's pray and ask God to to bless these verses. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. God, we hold your word in the highest esteem. We look to it for direction. We look for it for insight. And God, when it comes to the future, God, there's no question that you are coming again. And Lord, you've provided a way. And Lord, we stand in anticipation. We are excited for the future. And God, I just pray that you would burn it in our hearts this morning. And God, let it change us from the inside out. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen Amen. and you can be seated this morning the first is the great transformation as paul begins to let his mind think about the resurrection or really as he's summing up his thoughts The reality of a future state, a new body that he just discussed, which we looked at last week, especially in the light of the suffering and the pain that he has experienced serving God. His first thought is of the great transformation that resurrection is going to be. There's going to be a great transformation. Look at it in verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood, pull on your flesh and blood here for a second, all right? Just pinch yourself on the leg or on the cheek, not your neighbor. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. What is Paul saying? He's saying that we have got to be transformed. Our bodies that you just pinched, right? Are not meant for heaven. We are not. We if we went to heaven in these bodies, we'd be incinerated in a second. We cannot last for an eternity in these bodies. And when it comes to the eternal state, resurrection is an absolute paramount. It has to happen. Last week We talked in great detail about our resurrected bodies. The importance and the bottom line is that our bodies are perishable. And that's kind of an interesting word that we don't use a lot, but the idea there is that our bodies will not last, but we also saw last week that our heavenly bodies will be imperishable, that they will last forever. They will be transformed. We will be like Jesus was in his resurrected form. And because of that, There must be a transformation. There must be a resurrection. But the question comes, and you may be even thinking that this morning, well, when you die, doesn't your body or doesn't your spirit go to be with the Lord? You guys have heard that before, right? To be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. You've heard it. It's in Scripture, right? And that is absolutely true. But that reality is incomplete, It will not be that way forever and ever that your spirit goes on and your body goes to the grave. No, eternity, by God's design, requires a body. You will get a new body at the resurrection. We talked about that in Jesus' example, his risen body. He was risen from the dead. He was not just a spirit. He had a body. It was a glorified body, and uh, it's the best example for us. Jesus had a body. It was resurrected. It was glorified, and we will have the same. But the question comes is, okay, so does a Christian have to die and their body go to the grave in order to get a new body? Paul knew that people would ask this question, and he's saying, look, what about those that are alive when Jesus returns? And by the way, the early church, they were expecting that return any day, any time, just like we should be, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we see uh, Paul's answer in verse 51. Look what it says. He says this, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will change. There's a few key verses, or key you key terms here the, what's the mystery the, it's not a mystery and that is something that is unknown the idea of mystery in the new testament is that one time it was unknown but now it has been revealed there's been truth that has been brought forward it is mystery once unknown but now and he says look i tell you that A mystery. We will not all sleep, and of course, that sleep is not just uh, you know a a sleep and the you know a nap or uh, taking a good night's rest that I didn't get last night, but uh, uh, or not soul sleep. It's sleep of the body. It means death. So we will not all die, but we all will be changed. We will be changed. Mm. Now, what we've learned so far is that when someone dies a christ follower whether they die and they go to the grave they're put in a tomb or they're put in a uh, um, casket or maybe they're cremated or they you know their body was blown up in an explosion or out at sea whatever the case might be their spirit goes to the lord right their body begins to rot begins to decay until jesus returns and there will be two appearances of Jesus coming back for the church, and the second coming of the Lord, uh, which will be to set up the literal thousand-year reign, right? And before the final coming, uh, it says that the Lord will come on clouds of glory. That's going to be a glorious day. But before that, there will be seven years of tribulation. We talked about this uh, a little bit, but there will be judgment. There will be plagues and war and famine. There will be devastation beyond our wildest imaginations. Listen, you don't want to be there. Um, there. The Bible, uh, some some astrologers or some uh, uh, Christian. Um, uh theologians believe that there will be asteroids that will be hitting the earth and it'll just be crazy time Um, but there will be a ruler that will rise up at that time called the antichrist right and uh, sometime during the tribulation and depending on how you read scripture the assemblies of god and i personally believe that it'll happen at the beginning that jesus is going to come back that'll be the first time he's coming back for us and at that moment there will be the resurrection of the dead all right And we will all go up, and we'll get a new body. And I believe it could happen at any time. It could happen today, before the service is done, before second service even starts. And at that point, Jesus will establish a new heavens, new earth, right? Or He's beginning to do that. And uh, Jesus will give us new bodies to live. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, Paul describes it in this way, verse 52. says, Uh, Say, we will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. We're all going to be changed. How does it happen? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now again, there's a couple terms here. A flash. That word in the Greek is uh, atomos, which we get the word atom, which is a small uh, measurement. It's you know our our body is full of atoms, right? And uh, but it's a small measurement of time. It also says the twinkling of an eye. I always thought it was the blink of an eye. How many thought that it was the, you know you blink and that's how fast it's going to happen? Well, well the blink is much. Uh, longer than uh, just a twinkle in someone's eye. And uh, it's interesting, it's, it's the, re- the point here is that it's going to happen instantaneously. It's not a process. But the twinkling, uh, from what I, I understand, is the time it takes for the light to go from the iris to the retina. And uh, it's interesting that the, uh, people were studying this and scientists were, were working with some theologians and apparently a scientist measured that it's one-sixth of a nanosecond. You say, "Well, what is a nanosecond?" Well, I looked it up because I was interested, thinking, "What? I mean, that sounds fast, right?" Well, a nanosecond is one billionth of a second. Seriously, I mean, who measures this, right? And it says in one sixth—that's—it's the speed of light, essentially. That quick, a very short time, a very short uh, moment it'll happen that we'll be caught up and we'll be changed at the last trumpet. And it's interesting that in Scripture, a trumpet, it's, it's seen in several different cases, but it, in many cases, a trumpet is a call to assemble people. And Jesus Christ himself will sound the trumpet and he will gather the body of Christ. I want you to turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter four. I know it's not on this on the notes. I didn't uh, update any notes from earlier in the week uh, to Bonnie, and so they're somewhat incomplete. But write it down: First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen. 13- You can write it through 18. Uh, We'll get to 18 at the end of the service. But look what it says here. This is, again, talking about the coming of the Lord. It says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, those who die, those who go to the grave, right? Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He's talking to the believers here in Thessalonica. He's saying, look, when someone dies, it's not over, He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's where our foundation is, right? And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him those that have died according to the lord's own word we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep he's given some insight here so those that are in the grave those that have died those that have passed it says that we if we are still alive when the rapture happens when jesus comes we are not going to go before them right so look what it says, it says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, that's that trumpet sound, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first pretty interesting, right? Some people say, well, why is that the case? Well, maybe they've got six feet more to go. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's going to happen instantaneously in the process, but there's a distinction here. The dead in Christ will rise first. In verse 17, after that, Paul's answering here, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. It gives us some insight that the dead will rise first. It's the foundation of our hope. That's why we spent five weeks studying the resurrection. And it says, with a loud trumpet call, the lights Uh, The sky will light up. There will be a brilliance God's glory will surround the entire earth. We will all be swept up and we will be gone in the twinkling of an eye in one-sixth of a nanosecond. Poof, gone. Gone. And we will be changed. There will be a transformation. Look what it says in verse 53. For the perishable, right, must clothe itself in the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Church, it is a fact from God's word. You can stand on it. You can take it to the bank. There will be a great transformation. That leads us to the next uh, big thing, that big idea is Paul's finishing up, the great triumph. Look at it in verse 54. When the when the perishable has been clothed in the imperishable and the immortal in immortality, then the same that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. When the great transformation happens, then death is swallowed up forever. It's a reference to Isaiah chapter twenty-five, verse eight. You can write that down and look it up later. Isaiah twenty-five, verse eight. But the point is, is that now there's a total end to death. Now, we've said over the last couple of weeks that there's no fear in death. There's nothing to fear. But how many know that the reality of death can be tough? Let's face it, death is an enemy, isn't it? You can't tell me when you see a spouse that passes, you lose a mate or lose a parent. Or lose a child. We just, in our uh, family, uh, one of Reagan's friends, six doors down in our neighborhood, just drowned just a, a about a little over a month ago. And it is devastating. There's a lot of, it's an enemy. And it's very, very difficult sometimes to deal with. Even with a great saint of God that you're expecting to pass, there's still a sense of loss. And and there's that, that death invades our lives. It can destroy. It can devastate. But church, death is not forever. There's a great triumph coming where there will be no more tears. Death will be stopped. It will be undone. In heaven, there will be no sense of want or desire. In heaven, all grief will be gone. The sense of loss is gone. Every effect of sin will be gone forever. And Paul gives us this picture of death in relationship to a bee or a scorpion. In verse 55, it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We sing about that in some of the songs that uh, we've been singing recently, and that's a paraphrase from Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. But Paul here, he's taunting death. He feels this triumphant victory boiling up inside of him. He gives a victory a victor's shout he says look we are going to be victorious the idea is that the stinger is removed how many have ever been stung by a bee right and once you're stung by a bee you've got to get the stinger out right otherwise it continues to bother you again but listen when a bee loses its stinger what happens it can fly away it can flutter for a while but that bee has lost its life hasn't it that's my understanding. See, death is an enemy, but it cannot sting you anymore. You say, well, why is that? It's because death left its stinger in Jesus on the cross. You cannot take this truth and take it lightly. And Paul adds to this a little theology. He says, he says in the next verse there in verse 56, he says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And so as he's wrapping it up, he throws in a little theology. He says, look, it's not death that harms, right? And this is really important. It, does, it may invade our world, and we have to dodge it, and we have to dodge its effects. We understand that. But death does not harm us unless there is sin, unforgiven sin, in our lives. The sting of death is sin that Jesus took on the cross. And Satan has no authority over us anymore. He left its stinger in Jesus. But where there's sin, death can and does give a fatal blow. It's, that's the truth. But wherever sin has been paid for, forgiven, and removed, death has no sting the next time we sing that song that samantha leads a lot of times oh death where is that sting right our resurrected king i mean i know i'm butchering the song i hope it means something a little bit more with that visual and i look at it this way the law brings us to christ you say well what do you mean right it says look look what it says it says the sting of death is sin And the power of sin is the law. Well, the law brings us to Christ because the law, in the Old Testament in particular, it's a list of rules, hundreds of rules, that you're saying, man, when you read this, you're saying, I can't do this. There's no way I can accomplish this. And you're absolutely right. And so it brings us to Christ. And saying, okay, there's got to be a way, because i on my own, I can't do this. And the reality is, it's only through Jesus. And for believers, death, it becomes a promotion. It's a doorway to the future. And yes, it's tough. It's hard. Especially when a child dies, or a, a mate dies, or someone totally unexpected. It's very difficult, but it is not forever. And so Paul, in his way, he gives this victorious triumph, this great triumph, this great shout saying, look, we will see death no more. And then he moves on to verse 57 with the great thanksgiving. I love this verse. It's probably uh, my favorite in in this little section here. But thanks be to God. He's saying, look, be thankful, be grateful. The way he ends in verse 57 and 58, I just love this. He says, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is victory. And Paul says, thank the Lord for it. We don't deserve it. How awesome is it that God, we, even though we don't deserve anything, God, He provided a way for us to have, spend an eternity with Him. And we can praise Him, we can glorify Him because of it. How does it happen? Well, it says right there, through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death is nothing, death has no sting, we have the victory. It is the great victory. It's the great, and we should be thankful for it. For that it was interesting after last week as i was sharing i shared at the end of both services just the reality that um that when when you know a saint that loves the lord and uh, maybe someone that served god a long time and understands that to live is christ but to die is really gain right and um i after first service last week linda richards came up to me and said boy that's she just had about a, a, she faced death just three or four weeks ago uh and it was in the hospital and was uh Real dire, but God brought her out, and we've been just thankful for that. It's really awesome. But she says, you know what? There's no fear. There's no fear in death, and it causes people to write things like Janice Richards, which is your sister-in-law, right? Uh, she wrote. She came up to me after second service and uh, and said, hey. I wrote a poem about this, Treasures of Love. What would cause her to write, and I won't read, read the whole poem, but uh, she ends the, the poem, Treasures here on earth will go, we have no guarantee. I look to all there is to know when I reach eternity, there's a hope that comes. And it, it's a neat, uh, neat thing. It's uh, real personal, and it was actually published. Um, but what causes someone to be able to do that? It's the reality that we can be thankful, even on this side of eternity, for what God will do. Revelation 21, verse 4 says, In heaven there is no more death. And uh, with that, we go to the last point, that there is The great therefore. Look what it says, therefore. And anytime you see therefore when you're reading, you got to ask your question, what? Why is that therefore, therefore, right? And so we ask that, right? So he's saying, because Jesus died and rose again, because of the future rewards, because of our resurrection to come, because death has no sting, because heaven and earth will pass away, look what he says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Everyone, say that with me. Stand firm. Be steady. Be immovable. Let nothing move you. The idea, the idea there in the scripture is really from a, a head knowledge, a theology. To be steady. To do not be deceived. Do not take your eyes off of this truth that Paul is giving us as a gift. Pray about it, think about it. Share the good news. He says, therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And then he says something very interesting. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The idea there is always give yourselves fully to God. In the Greek, as you study that, it means to work till you are exhausted. Now. While there is time, work yourself silly. Wear yourself out for Jesus' sake. And the idea is to overdo it, actually. Now, how many have ever said, well, I don't want to overdo it, right? I've said it. You've said it. There's some of you that have not been involved in ministry for a long time. You say, well, my life is a little overwhelming. Listen, it says, be immovable, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. The idea is to overdo it because time is short. The other reason is because your labor is not in vain. Someday you will sit on the judgment seat before Christ. Your life and everything that you've done will be passed before fire and all the all stuff on this earth is going to burn like hay and rubble and only our service to the Lord Is going to matter. Paul is calling us to get out of our comfort zones, not to live our lives of leisure in the American way, but to work hard night and day. If the resurrection is true, then always be abounding, giving your best, is what Paul is saying. And so the question I have, and this is convicting for me, I guess it's going to be really convicting for a lot of you here today. Do you serve like that? Endlessly? To the point of exhaustion? Where you feel like you've overdone it? Because at that point, Paul's saying, alright, you're getting it. Way to go. The day you die, you will be rewarded for anything that you've done for Jesus for eternity and so you work hard work as hard as you can for great is your reward and the the reality is is we don't know when jesus is going to return we believe i believe to the core of my heart that the time is short someday everything will pass and the only thing that will matter is eternity and my question this morning for you is do you believe this do you believe what we've been talking about over the last several weeks? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? There's a song that's been bubbling in my soul here for the last couple weeks. And I've asked Bobby and Reagan to help us out this morning. The song is a, really a proclamation of what we believe. And we're going to teach it to you this morning. And then after we do, I'm going to ask you two Questions. The first question is this: Are you ready for the resurrection? Either by death or by rapture? Are you ready to meet Jesus? That's an important question that you need to face, and not only you need to face it, but everybody that you come in contact needs will answer this question. The second question is: Are you living? for the resurrection are you working hard are you exhausted if not I put this in my notes and I almost I'm afraid to say it but I believe it's true that if you are not living to the point saying okay I'm God I'm giving you everything to the point where I feel like I'm overdoing it you may and probably are out of God's will for your life Listen, we get so caught up with ourselves and our own family to the neglect of eternity. And we're going to come back and ask that question, but really it all hinges, do you believe this? Because if you believe what we're going to sing and what the word of God says, it should cause us to stay awake at night, to work night and day for the Lord in everything. So let's learn this song together. It's a great one. Should we stand? All right, come on, let's stand. And we're going to learn this together. I want you to sing it out. Even if you don't know it, we got the words. We can follow along. I want to go back to those two questions. The first one is this. Are you ready for the resurrection? The reality is I know most of you here. And I know most of you are serving God and you're looking forward to that resurrection day but I'm gonna just ask that you would close your eyes, bow your heads, because if you're here this morning and you feel like you're away from God, maybe you served God at one point, or maybe you've never accepted Christ, or maybe the full understanding of the resurrection is compelling you saying, boy, I need to surrender my life to Jesus this morning. If that's you, young or old, here this morning, would you just raise your hand and we wanna pray with you, we wanna ask God to, to save your soul to know for sure that if you were to die today that you'd be in heaven or if the lord would be returning today that we would be in heaven with him with a new resurrected body anybody at all need that answer question that, that question answered in your life anybody at all just lift up your hand right where you are Okay. All right. Now, before we go on to the next question, I want your eyes on me just for a second. Now, I love you guys very much. I believe that this is the truth of God's Word. And the reality is that this message is in our hands. We are responsible to share this news with others. There will be people if the Lord were to come back today. There are probably I know there are people in my life that I've not done a good job. I've not been as bold as I should be. But the reality of the resurrection should can, should encourage us to be bold. How many of you need a little measure of boldness in this season? See, we've got a season coming up with Easter that's natural It's easy, I would say, easier to share. And I want to just pray a prayer of boldness. That if you believe what we've been talking about, that it would come out of your mouth, that you would live it, and that it would make the difference in someone else's life. Could you believe that with me? Just raise your hands as we pray. God, I pray that you would overflow us with boldness and power. God, that you would cause our lives to be and to make a difference in someone else's life. God, use our tongues. Use the knowledge that we've gained over the last few weeks to make the difference in someone's life. To see someone that was lost, now found. We have the greatest hope The greatest news there ever was. And God, I pray that we would not just hold on to it, but God, we'd hold it lightly and we would share it. God, as you lead us, God, give us opportunities. Lord, open up the doors and help us to be faithful to walk through. Lord, I thank you. And I want you just right now as your hands are continuing to be raised, to think about a person or two that the Lord is, is just birthing in your heart. I believe there's a person coming to mind right now that you, uh, with God's help, are going to be bold enough to share the good news, bold enough to invite them to church, and bold enough to share your testimony. Come on. God, reveal the person this week the couple this week, the young person, the neighbor, the relative, the spouse, the child that we can share this good news with. God, let it sink in, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now the second question, with your eyes on the screen again, is are you living for the resurrection? I can't think of a more challenging question this morning. Are you living your life as if the resurrection could happen any moment? Because it can. We could be caught up with Jesus. There are souls to reach, like we were just saying, ministries to develop. And the point is, is God needs you at your best. He needs your mind, he needs your body, he needs your soul, he needs your capacities, your your capabilities, he needs your gifts, he needs our funds, all investing in his kingdom. And my prayer is whether that's through a small group or through a missions trip or just your day-to-day, that God would capture your heart and if you believe the words of this song, and we're going to finish up the song, there's one little caveat to it, and then the chorus. You say, well, why would we do this? I want you to turn in your Bibles, grab your Bibles, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I said we'd end on verse 18. Why would Paul share this? Why did Paul share it to Thessalonica, to the Corinthian church? Well, he said that your labor's not in vain in 1 Corinthians. But he shares this truth that after that we that are still alive will be left and we will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. First Thessalonians chapter four, and now verse 18. Another therefore, right? Therefore, because of all that he just shared, encourage each other with these words it's pretty clear we're to use our mouth to share this truth. How many this morning are saying, God, I'm willing, and don't raise your hand just out of, really think about this. How many this morning would say, God, I'm willing to work to the point of exhaustion, to work myself silly to the point where people are saying you're crazy, you're out of your mind, to overdo it for the Lord. How many are willing to say, I'd like to give that a shot in my life? I want you to raise your hand, and i only raise your hand if you mean it. And what that looks like for you, I don't know. But if you're saying, God, use me. Use me. I believe God will. Father, I pray that you would just burn in our hearts, brand it on our hearts, the truth of your resurrection. And God, for those that are saying, I'd like to try that, to work day and night to the point of exhaustion for you and for you alone. God, I pray that you would equip us, you'd give us opportunity. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now the next next little piece, let's put up the words there. I think it says, I believe in life eternal. Let's sing it out. Oh yeah, here it is. This is great. Let's sing it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Lord, we believe it. We thank you, God, for the encouragement in your word. And God, now help us to live it. Not only to be ready for our own sake, but to be ready to share at any moment. Give us boldness. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name. And Lord, I pray as we leave here, you'd go before us, behind us, and around us to be able to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I look forward to a great harvest as we celebrate together your goodness and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.